Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. What's going on, guys? Thank you for joining us on the show today. We've got another great show for you where we welcome 
April Eldemeyer, and April is a licensed marriage and family therapist and contributor for Psychology Today and the Gottman Institute. And today we focus in and talk about alcohol and its effects on the relationship. On today's show, April really dives in and talks about the ways that alcohol can affect your relationship and then talks about ways to not let it affect your relationship. Uh, Sober October. Sober October or September or whatever day. January. There you go. Um, Yeah. And so we've learned a lot from her and we know that you guys will learn a lot as well. Even if alcohol is not a big issue in your relationship, a lot of these tools can be used in other valuable ways. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Check out our website, idopodcast.com. Our couples retreat coming up this October in St. Pete, Florida, and our relationship course, Spark My Relationship. All the links are on the website, and we appreciate you so much for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, April. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. April, today we're going to focus in and talk about alcohol and its effects on our relationships. And I think a good place to start is maybe to distinguish between social drinking and excessive drinking? Sure. So there's a difference between social drinking and excessive drinking. And I think what I'd like to do do is distinguish the difference between alcohol use, abuse, and addiction. And so alcohol use, it's different from being able to drink socially, you know, when to stop drinking and make healthy choices when you're using alcohol. Um, Alcohol use is often used as a crutch or maybe a distraction from life stress or marriage problems. And people often drink over the limit almost daily. So that would mean over two drinks for men and over one drink for women. And they often wake up groggy and with a hangover. And it can border on having problems at home, work, and it also has the possibility of getting into risky decision making. So typically, alcohol use can be curbed with better management of stress and an awareness of the drinking level and scale. Now, alcohol abuse is a pattern of drinking that causes significant problems in relationships and work. People who abuse alcohol tend to make poor decisions like drinking and driving or frequent altercations with their spouse or the stranger at the bar. Um, And people who abuse alcohol don't necessarily crave it, so they don't have withdrawal symptoms. They don't need it, but it heavily influences relationship satisfaction, which is typically where most couples fall when they're having problems surrounding alcohol. Um, And this category of drinking is risky because you have a higher risk of developing a dependence on alcohol. And then there's alcohol dependence, which is the beast of the bunch. This category of people are people who depend on alcohol. They can't control their drinking. 
no efforts or the efforts that they've tried have been ineffective to stop. They do have withdrawal symptoms like sweaty palms or, um, yeah, you know, waking up groggy and uh, habitually hungover. They might sneak or hide alcohol. Um, they can't really sustain jobs or relationships for very long. And so this group needs serious intervention to stop drinking, whether it's an inpatient or an outpatient substance abuse treatment center, and ultimately abstaining from alcohol forever. For the sake of this conversation, I think we'll focus on the first two, but I do want to have you tell our listeners if they think that their partner is experiencing alcohol uh, dependence or if that they're a listener that is experiencing that, the steps they need to take to get help. So I would contact a local resource center. Um, there's also the National Institute. Institute for um, Dependent Alcoholics, and that's a national organization that you can call. I might also recommend a professionally guided intervention. Um, So, I mean, first it's acknowledgement, and it's the willingness to get help. And then you find those resources that you can access, um, you know, in your community to then make those steps towards getting treatment. And what's a way that a partner could bring that up if their partner is exhibiting signs of dependence that won't create too much conflict, but that the problem is addressed. Right. So that can be tricky. It can be really effective and it can also, you know, go down a rabbit hole of destruction. And so what I would say is that when that person is sober, you sit them down and you have a conversation with them and you talk about the damaging repercussions of their behavior And, you know, maybe they're not aware, you know, maybe they don't know what dependence is and maybe it's culturally, it was culturally appropriate in their childhood and upbringing. And so if that other partner is noticing some significant problems in their spouse's drinking behavior, then you want to have a conversation and sit down and say, look, this is concerning. It's terrifying when you have that drink, even the first pop of the bottle cap you know, I start to get really anxious because I know that you might say some terrible things or that you might take it to the extreme or that you might become aggressive and slam a door, punch a wall. And I'm really concerned and afraid, afraid for us, afraid for you. And so, you know, I would make the the request to get help. I would say, you know, I'd like to really see that you commit to something professionally because it seems like it's out of your realm or, you know, out of your capability to fix. And if the partner is resistant or maybe they're in denial, then the next step might be to bring in the people who are closest to them in their lives and have a conversation with the family or with friends and have everyone lovingly and, you know, in a supportive way, shed light on the person's drinking, the excessive drinking that that person is doing. And then, you know, you can take it even further, you know, that might be where you need some professional guidance or some professionally guided interventions. So for those couples who relate more to the the first two categories you mentioned, just the use and, and potentially the abuse, what are the biggest areas that alcohol affects relationships? So I would say that there's a few sort of big ones to identify. There's some red flags. Um, The first is to understand that alcohol is a drug. You know, by definition, alcohol, even in small amounts, 
can alter a person's emotions, perception, thought processes. And, you know, it's a well-known depressant as well. So alcohol can lower your mood and inhibitions, and it's a potential for relationship disaster and for faster to fight situations between you and your partner. Um, I would say also that, you know, it's culturally acceptable. Um, it, it sort of enjoys a cultural past, um, you know, consciously or not. We often downplay the negative effects of alcohol and we view it as a mandatory aspect of celebrating and de-stressing. And so have you ever said something like, you know, I only said that because I was drunk or we only fight when we've been drinking, you know, or we can't celebrate our anniversary without wine. So these are major red flags that you might be failing to recognize the power and control that alcohol can have on you and your partner. And then lastly, I would say too, that it's really damaging the psychological effects of how you interact are damaging. You know, we talked about the idea that alcohol can impact your mood and even to be more specific, heavy or even moderate drinking can cause a person to become more aggressive, disinhibited, more defensive, irrational. And, you know, these psychological, psychological effects can persist even after alcohol is out of your system. And not to mention just the physical health detriments of waking up feeling hungover, and it might be mostly out of your system, but if you're trying to solve an issue with your partner and you feel like crap, you're probably not going to be good at doing that. Yeah, you're in a tough spot. You know, you're not feeling well, you're hungover, you're groggy. You know, maybe the night before you've gotten into a really big fight and, you know, you lashed out at each other and you said things that you didn't mean. And, um, you know, all of these things come bubbling to the surface. And the next day you're confused. You don't understand how it happened. You're angry. Um, you're hurt. And so it's definitely difficult even after, a, a, you know, an episode like that to, to be able to really talk and communicate effectively. What are the steps or the ways that you recommend alcohol to prevent these effects from alcohol in the relationship? Well, the first is to hold each other accountable. I would say commit to drinking responsibly. And for men, that would mean two alcoholic beverages a day. For women, it's one. And so remain present and really enjoy and savor that drink. You know, make a ritual of it. Um, Go into the, the evening knowing that the two of you are in a good place. Um, maybe taking some of the, the liquor out of the liquor cabinet so that you don't go, you know, you don't excessively drink at home, which tends to happen because you're in your comfort zone, you're in your home environment. Um, and so, you know, I would say just, just try and try and put some guidelines or parameters on how you're drinking. Maybe during the week, you only have one glass of wine at dinner. And maybe on the weekend, you can be, you know, a bit more lax. And so having that conversation ahead of time is really helpful. Um, I would also say, you know, m maybe take it out of the house. The added expense of buying priced up alcohol at a bar or restaurant can curb the habit, can be a deterrent from drinking too much. And you're in your familiar environment at home. You might also be in a toxic environment at home. And so you're using alcohol as a crutch or a distraction from the unhappiness or the tension that's surrounding the home environment, which does, you know, create more, I think, um, the more likelihood to consume extra. And then it's fun to kind of, you know, play around with being sober together, you know, uh, maybe having a sober month like dry January. Um, 
and, you know, boost your mood and it helps save money and, you know, you get better sleep and you just feel better about it, you know, yourselves. And then use it as a bonding opportunity to do things that maybe don't involve drinking, like taking up dance classes or um, taking golf lessons together and, you know, looking for other opportunities to connect that don't involve alcohol. I would love to touch back on where you mentioned how you could be in a toxic relationship at home and you're using alcohol to mask those feelings. So if somebody is relating to that and and they're saying, hey, you know, maybe that is something I'm doing in the relationship. What is the first step that they need to take to address the deeper issues that are causing them to overconsume alcohol? That's a great question. So first I would say, if you notice that there are signs of longstanding or deeper rooted issues under the surface that you are either avoiding um, or maybe you've had a conversation and you're sort of going on that hamster wheel where there's no resolution. And you notice that, you know, a few times maybe in the past or the, the most recent uh, past that you've had some drinks together and, you know, you've gotten into a really tough predicament where you have that conversation, you know, you become brave and bold and you want to address the issue and it erupts into, you know, um, a a really hostile and um, uncomfortable discussion. And so, you know, just even identifying that and being aware of, you know, what's happening there, I would say, you might have to have a serious conversation. You know, if we're not being able to communicate effectively um, when we're not drinking and if we're not able to find resolution and if there's a lot of bitterness and resentment that's built up for, uh, you know, however long, then maybe you need to seek help. Maybe there's um, an opportunity to go to couples counseling. Um, Maybe there's an opportunity to work through some conflict resolution skills and, you know, sort of get some uh, understanding of how you speak to one another and just getting those tools and resources that you need to be able to come together and, you know, work through those issues. It seems like for a couple that's going through that, the recommendation of having like a sober free month could be really beneficial to them because it would make them have to work through all their issues being completely sober for a whole month. Yes, absolutely. Um, And yet I would caution that because that's a great idea. And that seems, you know, like a, a really good opportunity to connect. And for some, that would be a great invitation to dialogue and, you know, have those Uh, really deep conversations and tough ones. But a lot of couples avoid conversation, right? So there's an avoidance of communication when they're not drinking. And that's, you know, that's where the the detriment or, you know, the destruction lies is that there's, there's something that's not allowing them to connect. And so they sweep it under the rug or they, you know, uh, push it to the side And then they keep going on. They might just be coexisting um, or there's just a lot of fear of bringing up really tough stuff. So I love the idea of, you know, holding that month as a good space to attempt those conversations. But I also, you know, want couples to understand that they need to go the extra mile. They need to understand why they haven't been communicating. And can they do that? We recently had a listener email us and say that they understand and acknowledge the effects that alcohol is is having on their relationship. And they were wondering how they can talk to their partner about 
stopping alcohol for a month, for example. So what would you tell this listener the best way to kind of start that dialogue with their partner so that they are able to express the importance to them about being sober and kind of trying this out for a little bit? Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Babbel. We've told you before and... We'll tell you again. (laughs) Babbel is the number one selling language and learning app in the world and can help you speak a new language with confidence. Not only can you learn Spanish, which is our second language in learning here living in Costa Rica. A struggle second language. (laughs) You're getting there. I'm getting there. (laughs) We need to get on Babbel more. I know. But if you don't want to learn Spanish... Sarah, you could learn French, Italian, German, Russian, Swedish, or more. Well, I definitely have to learn Spanish because our daughter knows more Spanish than I do. So, And we live in a Spanish-speaking country, <laughs> yes. so Russian might not be the most valuable language. No. But <laughs> to make it easy for you, Babbel's short 10 to 15-minute lessons are available on the app or online and are designed to quickly get you speaking your new language within weeks. And I can definitely vouch for that. You can try Babbel for free. Go to babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com or download the app to try it for free. Babbel, speak a new language with confidence. Today's episode is also brought to you by Zola. If you're engaged or planning a wedding, Zola Registry is the place to be. Zola is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. I was not much of a planner for our wedding, but if I was going to be a planner, I would definitely use Zola because it takes the stress out of wedding planning. With free wedding websites, save the dates and invitations, a wedding registry, and free, easy-to-use wedding planning tools. Yeah, I really wish Zola was around when we were planning because it would have made my life so much easier. Zola's free wedding websites can be created in minutes and you can choose from over a hundred beautiful designs that will fit any couple's style and they are all free. You have the ability to add photos, stories about where you met, details about the accommodations, literally almost anything you can think of. And you can even add on your Zola registry to your free Zola wedding website. Zola registry just makes registering for newlywed life super easy. Shop over 500 top brands from KitchenAid and Cuisine Art. What, we can get a blender, blend some stuff up. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. To Sonos and Airbnb. I like that better. Stay yeah. somewhere yeah. really cool. <laughs> Maybe a tree top bungalow and, and even create a honeymoon fund and register for travel gift cards like Delta and Southwest. Talk about a modern day registry. Right. So to start your free wedding website or registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash I do. That's Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash I do. I would say to start a conversation in a non-defensive tone. So maybe make it something exciting that they can try. I would say something like, gosh, you know, I've been noticing that we've just been drinking so much lately. And 
you know, it's just really taking a wear and tear on me. And I think that, you know, we're, we're losing the opportunity to connect on a really deep level. And so I think it's a great idea that, you know, let's try this sober month together. And I, you know, just read that there's this really kind of, you know, cool concept of dry January. Let's do another dry month of that. And um, let's maybe pick up something that we've been talking about doing like scuba diving lessons or something really fun. And, you know, let's, let's do that together in that month, or let's get our, you know, our health under control. And, you know, let's maybe start exercising together. So you see how you're making it sort of a we opportunity rather than a you you problem. And I would always start off by making it a positive conversation and also saying, you know, I really don't like where we're headed. We as a couple, I don't like that we can drink or, you know, I've noticed that you're really stressed at work. And I see that sometimes, you know, drinking for you, you know, just kind of takes you out of that, that, um, that the, the stress of life. And, and, and yet I, I also see that the next day you're just not functional. Like you're just not there with me. You're just not there with us. And so I'm just checking in with you, you know, is, do you want to have maybe an opportunity to do something different to change? It seems like alcohol can be such a detriment to relationships in that it's like this crutch. It's like, it's easier not to talk about the things we want to improve. Let's just have a few drinks. We start to feel better. And then, you know, we'll just have more fun conversations because we're loose and, or the, the reverse is then it's like true serum and, and the partner, it all comes spilling out. And that's not productive either, right? So it's like you're not addressing it or you're addressing issues, but in an unproductive way when you're inebriated. So just that recognition of its effects on you individually and the relationship. And I think there are benefits to being able to relax and have a drink or two, but recognizing that maybe not every single night and obviously in moderation, but just to try not doing that and just the clarity of mind and body, the way that's going to make you feel. I know Sarah and I aren't big drinkers, so our hangovers are usually what we call sh- sugar hangovers, which, you know, like if we eat too much sugar, I wake up and I feel terrible. And Sarah's pretty much the same way. And it's like a hangover. Look, uh, you know, I drank a fair amount in college, as most college students do. And it feels pretty similar, you know, in it. Anyways, like, it's not, it's not terrible. And it's fun to to have cake or a few drinks. But it's not like it wouldn't be great if we did it every night because I'm pretty useless the next morning and, and then even the day. And, and if, if there's a serious conversation Sarah and I need to have, it's not going to help it, certainly. So just that recognition. Yeah, it's understanding where your relationship is going with using alcohol. Is it excessive? You know, should you never drink again in order to save your marriage? No, of course not. A lot of couples love going to happy hour on Fridays. Sometimes it's a ritual for marriage. But oftentimes you can one minute be having a great time and then the flip of a switch, you're lashing insults at each other. And it's a really tough, um, you, you know, in the moment, you, you sometimes can't identify where you cross the line. And so just understanding that, you know, 
is our relationship intact when we're drinking? Can we manage it in a healthy way? Or do we often repeatedly have these really, you know, awful fights where we wake up the next day and we feel awful. We feel awful about what we said, what we did. And, um, you know, it, or there's silent treatment or residual anger that's in play. So, so that's when I would say, you know, take that, take that magnifying glass to the relationship and really start to pick apart the dynamic of drinking and how it's impacting your, your relationship. And one of the things we haven't mentioned, but that a lot of couples fight about and is an area of conflict is money and finances. So certainly consuming alcohol is going to be consuming your bank account. And obviously, depending on how much, but even if it's a couple drinks a day, that that could be 50 to 100 bucks a week that maybe you put towards going on a date night and recognizing the financial impact that drinking is having. Yes. And that actually sort of, um, you know, brings a really good idea to me when you say that is, you know, maybe having a budget for alcohol for the month and not going over that. Maybe that's a really good accountability factor for the couple too. You know, saying, look, we're not going to go over this amount. And if we do, then we're not drinking for the rest of the month. So it absolutely can cause financial strain and it can, you know, yeah, it can rack up in in dollar signs. You've given us some great tips. We got dry January uh, or you could do sober October. There's lots of uh, (laughs) options here. Start small. Start with the week. You know, the important thing is just to start in recognizing, being reflective on your own alcohol consumption, your partner, and how it's affecting the relationship. Just taking that time to pause and really think about it because I feel like like a lot of things, you just get in this routine and the relationship takes work. And if your focus is on having a good time going out, that's great. And the relationship is probably going to benefit, but not if you're drunk all the time and not if you're just skipping over those important conversations. And I even find myself trying to carve out the time because Sarah and I, we sound so boring, but you know, Netflix every night is, is probably the main agenda is put our daughter <laughs> to bed and we're not really drinking, but we're, we're watching uh, maybe an hour or two of our shows. And that's really the only time we have besides outside of work and being with our daughter to talk. So I'll try to initiate conversations during that time so that we can stay up on our relationship and be working on it or addressing issues. And certainly if you threw alcohol in there, that's it's those aren't going to be productive conversations. So maybe it's not alcohol, maybe it's another time suck or or a, a way to just not address issues in the relationship or work on it. Absolutely absolutely. Uh, I think, and I think it takes the presence of one another out of the equation. You know, it's, it's so detrimental, excessive drinking. So, you know, let me preface that, right? Because like you had said, drinking in moderation is great for a couple and it does have benefits. It is a bonding experience to some, but excessive drinking is so harmful and detrimental. And what I will say too, is that 
it not only erodes the relationship over time, but it causes a deterioration in communication, closeness, connection, and trust. And it leaves the relationship open to threat of separation, divorce, and infidelity. You know, I can even give you a great example of, you know, uh, sort of how this would go. So, you know, let's say that the wife is feeling neglected in the bedroom and she's been wanting more sex and intimacy, but the husband just isn't aroused or he can't get aroused for whatever reason. And she's feeling rejected and unwanted. And she's really wanting to connect with him in that way. And when she drinks, she gets bold, of course, and she raises the issue. And she might take a shot at his masculinity, which is humiliating, right? And she might end up saying hurtful things about his inability to deliver. And so what happens when they sober up? You know, those words can't be taken back. The husband feels embarrassed and upset which can cause more issues in the bedroom and disconnect even further. And they're not really talking about the right things, so the issue is not getting resolved. And what happens? Over time, the wife continues to feel alone, and that coworker at the office pays attention to her, flirts with her, makes her feel desired. And before you know it, she's engaging in an extramarital affair. And of course, this goes both ways. But you see how you know, really risky excessive drinking can be. It's scary. Absolutely. And really a key, like a lot of things we talk about, is to be explicit and clear in your communication with your partner. If you feel like, be introspective and then go to your partner and say what it is that you feel when your partner drinks in in a non-judgmental, confrontational way. Like you said, when you're both sober, super important, and have that conversation. I feel lonely when you drink because you shut down. Whatever it is, be clear and explicit and not just think that it's going to solve itself or kind of go away. It's important to stand up for yourself in the relationship in a timely manner. Don't let it go on and, and degrade things. Get it early and you'll be thankful for it in the long run. Yes. And I want to touch on something with that. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit maybe about codependency and enabling the drinking behavior. And so the enabler can often feel responsible for making the other person happy, especially if there's unhappiness between the two of them. You know, they might feel responsible for making their partner less stressed or um, they then end up appeasing their partner, oftentimes maybe stalking the liquor cabinet, thinking they're doing the right thing. You know, they might often find themselves saying yes when they mean no, yes to another drink when they don't want to. And they're just desperate to feel connected and feel loved and, you know, get the relationship back on track. And so sometimes it's turning the other cheek to the behavior and rationalizing it by saying, you know, that it's no big deal or it doesn't happen that much or, you know, he's had a rough day. And so I want, you know, I want want couples to be cognizant of their, you know, part in the drinking behavior too, that, you know, not only should they be addressing and, and talking in a non-threatening way about the effects that they're seeing on the relationship, but that they're not also being codependent or enabling it either. That is a really important thing to keep in mind. And yeah, obviously there's going to be thousands of different combinations of things that can be going on with alcohol in the relationship and really recognizing maybe that situation, but just if you're listening now, just taking that pause and thinking about being mindful of where you're at in regards to your relationship and alcohol in particular relating to this episode, how it's fitting in. Maybe it's fine. Maybe it's super healthy. 
but maybe it's just a little off. And maybe you're like, yeah, you know what? Every once in a while, we're just not talking about what we should talk about because we'd rather just drink and and have fun and we get drunk and then it kind of goes away. And look, I'm not trying to like say you're a bad person for doing that, but just take that time and realize over time that that's not going to lead you to the happiest relationship you can have, the happiest life you can have really in the long run. So it's hard work, but it is work worth doing. Yes. I love um, taking that relationship inventory. And here's a great question. So if, if the listeners are still kind of confused, like, well, we really don't know, you know, we really don't know how drinking is impacting or affecting us. I would just ask and maybe think about this simple question. Um, you know, think back to the few biggest mistakes or arguments of your marriage. Now, think about how many of them occurred when one or both of you were under the influence of alcohol. And so if your answer surprises you, then that's worth exploring. That's a great thought exercise because it's just like, that's not going to lie. Be, be truthful to yourself. Think about it and, and ask if alcohol was involved. And April, this has been a great and enlightening conversation. Hopefully it's going to help a lot of our listeners. Sarah and I will lay off the cake to prevent those sugar hangovers. <laughs> <laughs> we recognize that that can sometimes be an issue. So uh, let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. You can find me at www.couples-thrive.com and you can get access to tons of free resources. Um, You can sign up for my 21 day free relationship challenge. And when you subscribe to my weekly newsletter, you'll get an email each week with research-based tips and ideas to help you improve your relationship all week long. And I also offer remote marriage and couples counseling for those that live outside of my area. Excellent. Well, we'll have the links to your website as well as all of your resources on our website at idpodcast.com and on the show notes page. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was great. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week.
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.